turn now a little further into the story. We covered Genesis 1 and 2, now we're in chapter 3. <laughs> uh, kind of reminds me, you know, we're in a series, long story short, and you're like, well, hey man, you've got six movements here, right? So we've got here, if you'll pull that next slide up, check this out. Creation, fall, Israel, Jesus, church, and new creation. We are only in chapter 3, bro, you're saying, right? And, I mean, you're talking about two movements. We got, we got uh, according to my Bible here, we got quite a bit more to cover here. All right? And uh, it's kind of like some sermons, right? They, they long, long, long at the beginning. It's like, I'm going to finish here in a minute. Fi-, and, and not anywhere close, right? We are going to finish, okay? And we're going to get through this. But if you miss what happens at the beginning here, Nothing else is going to make sense. It's like when I walk into a show that Jessica has already started, and I'll say, who's that person? Why are they doing that? What's going on here? She says, I'm not even doing this. You just need to go back and watch the rest of them. I say, all right, whatever. I'm not even going to watch that show anyway. And so, we don't want to miss what's at the beginning. And what's at the beginning here in chapter 3 is going to touch us all, and does touch us all. Let us look here in chapter 3 of Genesis. Notice these words from Scripture, and we'll just simply, it's it's right for us to read the whole thing, but we're just going to drop down to verse 7 from 1. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will surely not die, for God knows that When you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Jesus, we thank You for this treasured Word, one that we've heard before. May we hear it again anew and afresh as Your Spirit blows across this place today, breathing life into Your holy, inspired Word. We pray in Your name. Amen. The first words in the continuation of the story. The first words in chapter 3 are about a serpent. I don't do snakes. And people that know me know that I don't do snakes. uh, And I'm not a fan and I never will be. 
uh, of, of, of serpents and snakes. Uh, when I was a teenager, we went on a canoeing trip with our church uh, men's group. And, <clears throat> you know, word got around that I was nervous about snakes. And, I mean, again, just to be clear here, this wasn't some little pet snake that was dropping into the water as we were canoeing down this uh, river. These were moccasins, big black moccasins that are you wouldn't even been able to grab around the body of these things. And as we would go past, you know, in our canoes, two men, two men to a canoe, um, bloop, bloop, and then you would go submarine on us. You know what I mean? And it's like I'm, I'm back there doing this number thinking I'm going to pull up one like this, ah, you know, like, I mean, that's what I'm thinking is like, I'm going to just kind of toss it right on my back and die because of these water moccasins. And of course, you'll see a head pop up here or there. And so I'm, you know, (laughs) they say that the Buddha is the man who woke up. That's what his name, that's what Buddha means, actually, is the man who woke up, enlightened one. Well, I'll tell you something, when I'm around snakes, I'm very awake, you know what I mean? I'm very alert to about head on a swivel. I mean, it's doing this number right here. You know what I mean? You're like talking to me. I'm like, yeah, that's great, man. Okay, yeah, let's keep this thing going because I want to live. You know what I'm saying? And serpents are in the way of that. And so as my senses were very acute and alert that day, um, it just so happened that it happened. I mean, we, we had been warned, you know, hey, they're dropping in, be careful, they can get into a, a canoe, you know, they can raise their head up swimming and all. Who knows how they even do that, you know what I'm saying? That's weird, anyway, I mean, heavy arms, I mean, it's just strange, but, and then also the thing that was freaking me out was that they, are trees overhanging us, and they're like, they can be in the trees, drop down, and all of a sudden, it actually happened to me, right there, in my lap, falling into my lap, and my most and worst fear realized, and it was one of those moments where everything slowed down, you know what I'm saying? It's like, like I've only only almost passed out once, I've never passed out, but it was like one of those moments where all the blood just somehow makes your brain really alive, you know? And, and I mean, it was like slow motion what was happening. My mind was processing both slow and fast at the same time. It was like things were frozen in time, but it yet speedily, rapidly happening all at the same time. And it was just a weird moment as this thing landed and somebody yelled, Snake! Right? And... I processed it very quickly and ended up grabbing it with my bare hands and tossing it back into the boat from which it came because it was a rubber snake. You know what I mean? Um, so I conquered the snake that day, but it was, uh, but it was actually just a rubber snake. And uh, somebody was trying to have a good time with me. You know what I mean? I wasn't laughing. You know, you ever been in one of those situations? I was, my heart was beating fast. My adrenaline was still secreting or whatever it does. And, um, and, uh, and I, was still, I was still very much in the zone, you know. And every time I, I come to Genesis, you find this serpent. But it's not the only time that you find the serpent. And even in my own life, I found the serpent. 
It's fascinating that in mythology, but also in psychology and in science, there are a lot of discoveries being made. You know, we've just recently discovered some of these ancient myths and stuff. And all of them have the same basic storyline. And all of them have a serpent, cat, dragon figure. It's fascinating. Think of the Sphinx. It's all something to do, what psychologists tell us, with fangs, right? So cats have fangs. Uh, you know, these feline-type animals have fangs. Think of a leopard or jaguar. And then a snake, of course, has these two venomous fangs. A dragon fanged, much like a serpent, some type of walking serpent. And so it's been actually coined, there was a, the lady who, a lady who did the study, Lynn Isbell, in her book, The Fruit, the Tree, and the Serpent, which is not even a Christian book. But she's taking the Bible and saying, there's something here that's an archetype. Which is, in other words, a story or images or symbols that define things in reality for us. Now, as Christians, of course, we believe there actually was a serpent that talked to a real lady, Eve. And there was a real sin that happened from Adam as well. But it's not to say that the Bible doesn't have these double meanings. That it can be at the same time a particular example and yet used as an archetype. As used as this meta-narrative, as we've been saying in our series here. In other words, in order for us to connect our story, personal, I mean, your personal story, if I were just simply say to you like I did somebody this week, tell me your story. What we're going to find is a snake somewhere. There's a snake somewhere. Somewhere slithering around waiting for you. Somewhere camouflage in plain sight. And we should be alert. The Scripture calls us to be alert for this serpent of old, as the Scripture would call it. And so, uh, I don't like snakes for a good reason, you can see. I'm in good company. And there's so much more data on... It's so neat, the connection. I, I, I wish I could... I just go in teaching mode. I'm not going to do it, though. But isn't it interesting that in the desert, one of the, cur- one of the things that the, the children of Israel fail God, they start murmuring, complaining, and don't you just hate it when somebody's just complaining, especially little people in your house that have everything? Um, there's a reason for righteous indignation in that moment because God has it. Murmuring, and He sends snakes, and they bite them. They're venomous snakes, and people are dying and what does, what does uh, Moses do? What is he told to do? Create a bronze serpent. Bronze would have been bright as anything. Uh, you probably wouldn't have been able to look at it even in the desert. And a serpent around his staff. And, it, and they looked at that serpent. They looked at that serpent. They would be healed. You say, what, in the, what a weird story. There's a lot of questions in the Bible that don't get answered, that we want answered. But I think this one has a pretty good answer. 
Later they start worshiping it, by the way, and destroy it in kings. It shows up again, that same bronze, wrapped around medical sign serpent. Uh, which, by the way, is not only... I mean, Again, there's other myths that deal with that, by the way. If you actually look up the logo for the medical field, it is, uh, it's based on mythological snakes, serpents, dragons. They're in our life. In other words, what these things are trying to show us is not proven that mythology's right. It's saying this, that the Bible's got the right story. And it's our story. And we've all seen it. We've all been afraid of it. And we have someone lurking in the bushes, waiting for us, much like it was waiting for Cain. Do you remember? Cain, what's the problem? Well, I'll tell you, Cain, sin is crouching at your door. It has this idea of a coiled animal. And if you go out that door, if you walk that path, it will pounce on you. But there's good news He says to Cain, you don't have to. You don't have to go that route. You don't have to go out that door. And yet, we all have. We've all been bit. The poison is in all of us. And it has no cure that we can conjure up. No magic, no medicine. And so we're in bad shape at the uh, beginning here of chapter 3. For this serpent slithers up and deceives. Even think about what's happening here, forbidden fruit, which is always enticing. Slithering serpent, moving smoothly over, twisting things. Did you notice what he twisted? Just rather than you will surely die, you will surely not die. Just a little twist here. Just a little modification there. You say, it's, it's, surely that's okay. I mean, look around. What I'm doing, psh, just a little. Yeah, that's the point. Even a little bit is a lot. The treacherous tree. Why is the tree even there? Why is the serpent even there? What is this serpent? There's all kinds of questions that whirl around Genesis, trust me. And the Bible's not interested in most of them. And we can talk about it all day long, and I'll enjoy talking about it. But what we must not miss is what is actually there. Right? I mean, if you wrote something down, would you want people inserting all kinds of questions and ideas and thoughts in between the paragraphs? No, of course you wouldn't. He's given us what we need, and we need to trust that, even though there's still questions at large, trust me. (laughs) There's a lot of things we just simply don't know. But here's what we do know. The serpent was created. Notice the text again. That the Lord God had made, verse 1 of 3. This thing is not on a level with God. Here's what else we know. We were called as humans to rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and all the creeping things and cattle and basically everything in creation. We are to rule over them. This is a submitting to them. 
not a rulership over. You see, this is the beginning of not imaging God. God has created an image of Himself and its humanity, and we were meant to image Him. In other words, steward creation. And here, somebody twists something. And the first sin is recorded for us. And this is typically known as the original sin. Because, well, it's the first one. It is the fall. And it's not just a fall out of a chair. It's the plucking of a flower from its stem. And it doesn't happen immediately, does it? It doesn't even know it's dead yet. And it's dead. No way to reconnect. This is why. Doesn't it make sense? And I've got this in your reading for this week to think about. That Jesus would say to Nicodemus, You must be born again. Because you can't be reconnected as you are. That's dead. But you can die and be brought back to life forevermore. That's why, as Christians, our greatest hope is not just the forgiveness of sins, but the resurrection of the body. This surprised me. This is Jesus talking to John. Well, I was surprised by a couple of things in my own personal study, but I can't tell you right now, so I just <laughs> shouldn't even mention it. But anyway, um, if I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how do you believe if I tell you heavenly things? This is Jesus to, to uh, Nicodemus. Now, Nicodemus is a learned man. Like he's, he's got a PhD, you understand, in Bible. Notice what Jesus says next. This is John 3, all right? Near 3.16, we're at 13. No one has ascended into heaven except he who has descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world. Did you see who showed back up again? It's that old serpent. But he says, <laughs> you got to kind of understand something about the ancient Near East. And that is, trees were, a, were really the courtroom. This is where justice was executed. In other words, it was at a tree, and if you were found guilty, well, you got stuck on the tree. Notice what Jesus is on. In the Gospels. He's on a tree. And he's lifted high. And if we are to but look at him, we will be healed. But we say, that's not enough. You don't understand my life. You don't know what kind of stuff I've done. I don't have to. You say, yeah, but I've got darkness in places that can't be dealt with. And that's a lie, friend. That's that serpent. 
whispering things, that old lizard on the shoulder, whispering things to you and to me that are not true. No. No. He can deliver us from all sin. And that's good news for somebody like me. Because if our soul were to be naked before you, my soul, I would be ashamed. My thoughts laid bare, I would be embarrassed. I would want to cover up, and we do. We do well with covering up. We're professional hiders. And this is, this is their first instinct after sin, isn't it? What do they do? They go and hide. What does Jesus come to do? He says, come out of hiding. The light has come. I mean, if you're naked, the worst thing is the light, right? And yet He says, come out of hiding. I've got some clothes for you. I want to clothe you Listen to the language of the New Testament. In righteousness. Stop with the fig leaves. They will do nothing. Only blood will do. And it's my blood on a tree. You see, these are, this is a story worth telling, isn't it? Gee whiz! We're caught up into something that I barely have a, I can barely hold on to in my head, but I want to live it. I may not always understand it. I got questions too about the serpent and the tree and all that. If we will but look to Jesus, we'll be healed. We've all been bit, we all need help. There's no medicine on earth to cure us. There's no magic to be offered. Go to that next slide real quick. And the next one. And the next one. Casey, I threw this up here for you. Keep going. Up back one. I think it's in there. Where's the apple? Oh. I thought Casey somehow hacked it and got in there and, and erased it. Um... This is, of course, the apple symbol, right? But it's actually, again, if you actually go back and look at how this logo came about, it was mythical thinking that they first started thinking about this apple and then it started to develop from one, uh, what do you call them, graphic designer to another. And now it's still this symbol that we all recognize. And it's been bitten. And whether you're a Mac user or not, doesn't matter. You've done that? We've all taken of the forbidden fruit. You see, it's not that, as my professor used to say, Lorstorfer, it's not the apple in the tree, but the pear on the ground. The two. This is where sin is today. We can blame them all we want, but the blame starts here. And until we confess our sins, we will not be healed. Go to that next slide. This is a painting from Michelangelo. The Ninja Turtle. Just kidding. And um, you can see the snake back here. This is, a, this is a painting of his that shows the snake coiled around there 
around the staff. And I, and I just couldn't help but think as I looked at that picture and was thinking about this last night, and, 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 and I thought to myself, yeah. Because, you know, snakes will coil because they're ready to strike, but snakes will also coil upon impact. And you know what? The snake will be crucified on the tree. His judgment day is coming. We had the opportunity. We missed the opportunity. So another man, the one that we sung about earlier, another man came to crucify sin. The serpent. Shame and death. Which the scripture says, Paul will say, is our last enemy. You see, man, the good news here is even though the garden has now become a jungle and life is very complicated. It's so complicated, sometimes we can't tell if it's our own sinful nature or desires or a medical problem or a combination of both. But thanks be to God, One day we'll lay down this body. And we will be resurrected if we but look at Him and look to Him daily. We're going to get a new body. He will untangle, the Scripture says, in so many words, what has been tangled and knotted. I don't know about you, but I'm only 37 and I've had a lot of knots I've had to... And some of them he just cut out. You know what I mean? He says, you know what? Because, you know, you get to a point with a knot sometimes. It's like, it takes me about five seconds, but some people can do it longer. I can't do that little... He's got to cut it out. That's Paul's language for sin. Cut it out. Stop. And if you can't stop, then get in a group. Let somebody help you Stop. That's what the body of Christ is for. I'm, I just sort of bear all. I've had sin in my life I could not stop doing until I got in a group with some brothers and laid it all out there. And through that time of excruciating nakedness. He healed me. Can you, hear, can you believe that? He healed me. I'm nobody special. Trust me. Jessica knows me. You know me. I'm nobody special. But He healed me. Why? Because I was willing to show Him the wound. Just like when I thought, I remember I told you the story about this scar right here. I thought I cut my finger off. Eight pound splitting axe dropped on it. Grabbed it up. My dad's screaming, show me your finger. You know? I wouldn't do it. I just get a picture. That's, that's us. We've got this wound. We've got this hurt. We've got this anxiety, this fear, this sin, this evil. And we just, no, you don't want to see this. You don't want to see this. I don't want to see this if we would but show the great physician. You got to tell him. It's the only way out.
There's some nasty stuff in us. Maybe it wasn't put there by you. Maybe it was put there by somebody else. It doesn't matter. We all have poison running through our veins. We need help. And the Lord gave me this last word that I want to share with you from Revelation chapter 3 of what I believe our condition is here this morning. I think somebody, if, if they were honest, is in this condition this morning. Notice these words from Revelation chapter 3. And to the angel of the church in Laodicea, write the words of the Amen. <laughs> so we're starting in Genesis. Now we're in Revelation. Told you we'd get there. You know, See how quick that was? The faithful and true witness. The beginning of God's creation. Isn't that interesting? The words of the Amen, which is at the end, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation, because He's the beginning and the end. I know your works. I know your works. I don't. He does. You are neither hot nor cold. Would that you were either cold or hot. So, because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, you say, we say, I am rich. I have prospered. God must like me. Things are going well. I need nothing. Not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, naked. It's like that dream that recurs in humanity of showing up to school with no clothes on (laughs) and being real and being really embarrassed. And you can get mad in that moment or you can seek help. Don't get mad. It's happened to all of us, right or wrong. Anybody with me? It's not not the naked part, but I mean sin. I'm using it. Everybody's like, uh, uh, bro, I, I can't go there with you, man. I only had the dream. You know what I mean? Um, no, I mean sin. We've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Amen. We're in the same boat. That's good news on one hand. There's only one person in the other boat that has never sinned. Amen. And he's pulling in people as fast as he can. He doesn't want to be alone. That's not why we were created. Remember from last week? We were created for community. From a community. A divine community that invites us in. And now, in that divine community, one, the Son of God, has come out of that community and come down for our salvation. We just quoted it in the Nicene Creed. And He's become human. Truly human. And now, sits at the Father's right hand so that our God in Christianity has a human body in the center of His divine community. You're telling me He doesn't like us? That He doesn't love us? He can't look at His own hands without seeing what He's done for us. What a God. (laughs) What good news... Right alongside such bad news. 
You see, I don't have to preach long about the bad news because we all know it personally. But some of us need to know the good news personally that well. Let's start moving in the right direction. Would you be willing today, seriously, to confess? Yeah, I think I'm rich and I've got my garments on and all this and think things are prospering. But instead, Lord, I'm wretched. Now look, when I look out, I can't see it in you. I'm I'm dead serious. I really, I'm sort of a negative person except for when it comes to people. I don't know how that it works, but things in life, I'm negative. But people, no, no. Why? Because I know what God can do for a life. He's done it for me. Some buffoon of a guy. Jerk. And he can give me a heart for people that is it's not explainable by me. It's a gift of His salvation. And I'm nothing without Him. Nothing. Notice, we did the 1 Corinthians 13 without love. Nothing. Not a quarter. Not a fifth. Nothing without love. Is it there? Is He there? Because He is love. God is love. And if we would but look, we would be saved. <laughs> that's, a, that's a crazy way to save the world. So let's keep alert. We do have an enemy. It is sly, the enemy is. Slithering about. But let's not miss the opportunity to eat the right thing today. As we partake of the meal He has prepared for us. Not the forbidden meal. But this meal is one that Christ Himself prepares for you. And it points back to what He has done. And it points us on to what He will do. And when He says He's going to do something, guess what? He does it. He came to give us life. He came to crush the serpent's head. He came to clothe our nakedness. Thank you, Jesus. And He died to destroy death. Man, that's pretty... Whew. All right. So come. Let us be going to His table. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.